Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend, and welcome to the show today. And one thing you might not know about me is that I have gone through supporting one of my kids with depression. And when they were in middle school, they were depressed, they didn't want to get out of bed, they were moody, and I didn't know what to do. And I would lay awake at night worried that they were going to hurt themselves. And I'm grateful to say that we got help. And mental health with our tweens and teens is at a crisis point. And it's hard to talk about this, these things, but we really need to be having these conversations. And today, my guest is Jason Reed. And Jason just came out with a powerful film, Tell My Story, that just aired on PBS. Jason's son, Ryan, took his life when he was 14, three years ago, leaving two post-it notes. And one was the passcode to his computer, and the second one said, tell my story. Jason, in his grief, set off on a quest to understand what led his son to end his own life and what he could have done differently. He is here today with us to share what he has learned and how we can have the difficult but necessary conversations with our kids so that we never go through what he did. Jason, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. <clears throat> thank you, Cheryl. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, glad that you are here. You have a very powerful message You've come out with a movie called Tell My Story. And can you share some of your story and what led you to make this movie? Well, <clears throat> easy way to start this is saying that I never thought I'd be here talking about this topic, ever. Because March 21st, three years ago, uh, while I was on vacation with my wife celebrating her birthday, my son Ryan, who had turned 14 a week before, decided to take his own life. And we were the family that 
would never have thought that would have happened. Mm -hmm. I had four kids when I was the youngest. Literally the night that happened, Kim and I were having dinner. And we were talking about how great our lives were, how we were entering the next phase, how we were going to become empty nesters in about four or five years. And we've gone through all the older kids and just Ryan left. And what are we going to do? Like, what does life look like? And talk about how wonderful and how lucky we've been. And that changed. So just so everybody knows, this is not a feel sorry for me conversation because that's not what this is about. This is a, what did I miss and what did I learn so you guys don't have to go through what my family's gone through. And it's one of those things that everybody thinks is going to happen to somebody else. Yeah. It would never happen to my family. Um, and I obviously never thought it would happen to my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we didn't have, you know, marital issues. We didn't have drug and alcohol issues in the house. We didn't have any of those kind of issues. All the things you think, the reasons why kids are having a, a tough time and would do something like this, they didn't exist. And I never saw the signs with Ryan. Um, I had, he was grumpy, mm -hmm. but I had four teenagers and I thought he was the least grumpy of all of them. And so I didn't see it. But as I look back on it, there were signs and I just didn't notice them because I didn't know. Because the big mistake I made is that I didn't pay attention to any of my kids' mental health. I didn't think about it. Because I assumed it was always somebody else's yeah. issue, like yeah. not, not, my, not my family. Okay. Um, and because I've never experienced depression, never experienced anxiety. Do I get sad? Sure. But I've never experienced true depression. I don't know what it's like. Yeah. And so I didn't check with my kids and see how they were feeling. And now, after Ryan died, um, I was going through his drawers and going through his room because you're looking for clues, right? And I read his letters and all that kind of stuff, but there was a, a, a note in his top left-hand drawer that said, tell my story. Wow. <coughs> it never gets easier to talk about, does it? You know, I do two or three of these a week. It doesn't. Anyways, so. What do you think he meant by that? What did you come to? Well, great question. It wasn't so much about telling a story of Ryan. Because mm -hmm. Ryan was a 13, just became 14-year-old boy who for all sites, as I can tell, besides the fact he had Crohn's disease and there was a bad case, he was a happy-go-lucky kid with great grades and a good kid. We were literally planning our, our yearly trip, him and I, to Washington because we go on a trip every year and he wanted to go to Dubai the year after, so he was looking at hotels in Dubai, which, I mean, it was just like, that That was the week before he died. He had, you know, he had March Madness with, with with his mother before we left for the trip and they, they watched it together and she said, Ryan, you you always have to watch this with me. He said, absolutely. So you just don't, we didn't see it. So what, is I, what do you mean by tell my story? I believe he meant tell the story of him and other kids so that parents can see the signs 
and understand what they need to maybe do differently. And that's what I did. So I did um, a TEDx talk in October of that year on Lake Forest in your part of town. Mm-hmm. I did a, um, a following up TEDx talk um, in Temecula a couple of years later. And I did a gold cast with the guys in Montreal um, about a year ago. The movie was supposed to come out in March of last year and with COVID it didn't. And I'm actually, and I was frustrated, but I'm actually happy it came out now. Because I think it's got more attention now. It was on it's on PBS's um, Wellbeing's channel through the end of the month. It's uh, available on tellmystoryfilm.com, and it was it aired on PBS this weekend. So I didn't know that it aired on PBS. It aired on PBS, and um, I think it's now is the time when people are paying more attention to this because. COVID has put us all in a situation where we're in a mental health crisis in America like we've never been in. Yeah. With teens and tweens and parents and, and our military, you name it, everybody's in a really bad spot. You can see it in the news. You can see it in the amount of people who are yelling and screaming at each other on airlines. You can see it in the mass shootings that are happening, the violence across America, and unfortunately, the uptick in suicides and suicide attempts. We're in a rough spot. Yeah. So this movie, I think, was in some ways meant to come out when it did mm-hmm. to help. Um, does that kind of help? It, it does. And I know I've been busier than I've ever been before. I mean, kids cocooning in their rooms. They're on video games. They're on their phones. They're isolated. All of those things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming, because watching your movie, and it was so powerful in the messages, the statistic you gave is that there's been 70% increase in suicide. This was before the pandemic, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Numbers are higher now. Yeah. What What did you learn from making this movie? Because I know you set, off, you set out on a quest to find answers. And so you interviewed suicide survivors, prevention experts, parents, kids that were dealing with depression. What were some of the answers that you found? So here's what I learned. And because I was trying to figure out, you know, why, how does this happen? And the first thing I think it's really important for parents to understand is, well, teen suicide exists and it is the number to kill over kids. The chances of it happening to you is probably rare. Right. And nobody wants to talk about it. No. So let's not talk about it. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about the mental health of your kids. And what I mean by that is I want you to understand something that depending on what stats you listen to, and they're all over the map, but they're kind of in a little area. 20 to 30% of our kids today in the last 12 months have experienced some kind of major depression. Yes. 30 to 40% of them have anxiety issues. And a major depression isn't like I got sad for a day. It's like I've been really, really, really sad for multiple days. We all get sad for a day. Depression is when you're getting upset for long periods of time. And there's probably a much more clinical definition, but I'm not a therapist. I don't even try to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk to you about that. Because the chance that your child is going to experience depression or anxiety during their 
middle school years or high school years or college years is a lot higher than you think. And they need the coping skills to be able to deal with that. And they currently, we don't have it for them. In fact, there's something crazy like 80% of depression goes undiagnosed and untreated. 80%. Now, again, a stat Mm -hmm. that I I Mm -hmm. pulled that everybody's afraid of where stats come from these days, and me too. But there's there's just a lot of people don't do anything about it because they don't know they should do anything about it. So let's talk about the fact that your kids may be experiencing depression. And, I, and here's how I'm going to define depression for you from what I've learned. Okay. I'm in Southern California right now. I'm an hour north of San Diego in a town called Marietta. I'm looking out my office window. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's a blue sky. The sun is shining. It's a gorgeous day. If I was here with someone who was really depressed, they may look at that same sky and only see clouds. And I know if you sink that in, let that sink in for a second. There's, it's a blue sky. They don't see a blue sky. Mm-hmm. They see clouds in the sky. Mm-hmm. And that's what depression is. It's, they're not seeing life the same way you're seeing it. And no matter what you can tell them why that's a blue sky, mm-hmm. like, hey, there's no clouds up there. You're not going to convince them there's no clouds up there. And so what did I learn? I learned from talking to kids and understanding from parents that have gone through this is that I can't convince you there's no clouds. Yeah. And trying to convince you there's no clouds makes you want to talk to me less. Yeah. What I can do is ask you what the clouds look like. Describe them to me. How do those clouds make you feel? Why do you think those clouds are there? Do those clouds ever go away? How often do you see the clouds? Wow. Wow, Jason, that is so powerful. Because that's what we try to do. Talk them out of that. It's a beautiful day outside. There's no clouds there. I know your audience is a lot of women, a lot of mothers. Yeah. Ladies, you may be married to a guy like me. And here's who I am. I'm a guy who's built companies. I'm an entrepreneur. I employ two and a half thousand people across the country with my partners. I own other companies. I coach CEOs. I coach 16 CEOs around the country. I've written nine, eight books, sold maybe nine, give away a lot. I make documentary movies that's how to tell my story. I've done Iron Man's um, black belt. Now, I'm not saying you're married to a guy who's just done all those things, but I, here's who I really am, and you probably identify this. I'm a guy who thinks he has it all figured out. Yeah. As most of your husbands probably think they have it all figured out. And I'm a guy who spends his days fixing things because that's what guys do. Mm-hmm. And whether you fix cars or you fix companies, we look at it the same way. It's my job to fix stuff. So when you come to us with a problem, what do we do? We go, let me, yeah, we, here's how you fix it. And what do you do? You go, I didn't come to you for a solution, Debbie. Just want you to listen to me. That's really hard for guys like me. That's really hard for your husbands. Mm-hmm. 
And getting your husband to understand that that's not the way to deal with your kids is a really important lesson for them. Because I had learned that lesson, right? I don't remember every time Ryan came to me upset or my kids came to me upset, but I guarantee it. I was the guy who go, look around. See where you live. What the hell do you have to be upset about? You have everything. You have everything. Yeah. Do you know how I grew up? Let me tell you how I grew up. Let me tell you about my dad. Right? Yeah. I know I did it. Mm-hmm. But when you do that to a child who is upset and seeing clouds in those guys, they don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, they just shut and they, and they want to talk. They need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And they don't want the solutions because there are no solutions to their problems. Here's, here's the thing that I had to come to terms with as well. It's like when you go to a therapist, and I've never been to one. Now I, you know, I've got one on calls 24 hours a day, it seems. But you, you go to a therapist, and what do they do? They ask questions and listen. Yeah. Right? That's all they do. I know I'm not taking away from all of you who might be therapists, licensed therapists, but you know I'm right. You ask questions. And you listen and you ask more questions. Most people who go to a therapist very rarely are going to judge you and offer you solutions to your problems. And the best ones don't do any of that. Yeah. They ask you how you think you should solve your problem. Mm-hmm. You can go to a therapy session and you're paying for an hour and you talked for 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. You should only pay for five minutes. I'm kidding. But you talked for 55 minutes. You paid for an hour. And you walk out of there feeling better because you got it all off your chest. Yeah. And that's what and this is the point that I want to make sure everyone understands is you can all be your child's therapist. And sometimes you need to be your child's therapist, not through, not through your child's parent. Mm-hmm. And my big message with parents is if you want to change the path of mental health. At ChooseLife.org, we've set up saying we're going to end teen suicide by 2030. And people, you can't do that, Jim. Like, maybe, maybe not. What I can do is make a huge difference in 10 years. Yes, you can. By saying that we're going to own our kids' mental health as parents. Because that's the one thing. If we all own our kids' mental health by 2030 and make sure we talk about it, we do it, and we, and we care enough to take the, take the time and understand enough to take the time to have the conversations, we can put it back to where it was when I was growing up, which was negligible numbers. As opposed to through the roof numbers, right? Mm-hmm. But it's that conversation that you and your husbands have to have with your kids, where you're not judging, you're not trying to fix, you're just listening, and it won't make any sense to you. It doesn't have to. You will find they will be so upset about a problem. You're going, what the heck? Yeah. Your boyfriend dumped you, and you're 14, and what that? Are you serious? Yeah, and we don't like him anyway. It's terrible for you. (laughs) (laughs) But to them, it's a huge deal. It's the biggest thing going on. And you know what? You might have just lost your job. You might have been worried about how you make the mortgage payment. You might, who knows what's going on in your life. And yes, it's a lot more serious, I'm sure. But not to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not to them. So that's one of the big things I had, I learned is that they do want to talk. And by the way, if you're feeling like, if, you, if you're having that conversation, we'll talk about how to talk to them about it in a yeah, second. Yeah. That's important too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, they're in trouble. They're in crisis. What do I do? 
well, you've got, you can't back away. You can't get free. You've got to, you've got to lean in, yeah. right? You've got to lean in. And let me tell you how you lean in. You look in the eyes and say, this sounds really serious. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. I have a question though. Is it that serious that you've ever thought of hurting yourself? Yeah. That's when the parents are scared to ask. Scared to death. Yeah. And yet we got to ask. And you're scared because you're afraid you put the idea in their head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the idea is already in their head. Mm-hmm. You're not putting it in their head. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that idea pops into a whole bunch of people's heads. And it's a common thought. Mm-hmm. You may never have had it. I may never have had it. But the, the, the survey says that over half people have said, I think I'm better off just not being here at some point or another in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you're going to do anything about it. So if the answer was yes, I've thought about hurting myself. Have you thought about taking your own life? Has that crossed your mind? Yeah, it's crossed my mind. Okay. Now you're freaking out. Yep. I get it. But you have to lean in more. You can't be scared in the back. You got to lean in more. Do you have a plan on how you're going to do that? Which is, by the way, the most important question. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if they have an articulated plan, we need to get them to the hospital right away to make sure they're safe. Yes. I'm going to do it on Thursday. Okay. Let's go talk to somebody. If they don't have a plan, you still have to get them into therapy. You still have to get them people to talk to. You have to hug them, tell them you love them. Don't judge them. Don't tell them why they shouldn't change their life. Don't give them all that crap they don't care about. Remember, there's clouds. They see clouds. Yeah. That's all they see. You're not going to convince them. Mm-hmm. Right? That moment, if it comes to that, and I hope it doesn't for you, how you handle that one moment is the most important moment in the conversation you'll ever have with your kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember, they don't want to die. This is a very important thing. They don't want to die. Ryan didn't want to die. He wanted the pain that he was feeling to yeah, stop. stop. There's a big and difference. That's all they think of. And, and some people think the only way to stop the pain is to die. Hmm. They need to understand there's another way to stop the pain. Yeah. To have hope that they can feel better, that there's there's an answer to feel better. And just being able to talk about it, be able to express their feelings, is that it's like... Um, you know, the pressure is building up and building up and building up and, and the ability to talk about it releases the pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. And it goes and it starts bumbling back down, bumbling back down. Now it's going to make you feel crazy. I mean, you're oh my gosh, but they're feeling better. Every time they talk, they feel better. Yeah. I'm thinking when we're in our head, when your kid's in your head, their head with all those thoughts and they're depressed, it gets distorted. The more that they're alone with it. So by just expressing it, they're not alone anymore. And not to tell them you're crazy, you know, send this message that you're crazy for feeling the way that you do, because they're already feeling that despair that they feel the way they do. It's like, almost like normalizing it in the sense that it's okay that they feel this way and that there's, there's help. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and look at this stuff. The stuff we're talking about right now isn't just for teens and tweens. This is for your spouses and your friends and your parents and your 
Yeah. It's, it, it works the same for everybody. Yeah. I'm thinking because I felt convicted myself listening, you know, watching the movie because I try to normalize to moms a lot of their kids' behavior so they don't judge it, so they're more accepting and that their adolescent brain is developing and that they're going to be moody. But the kids were talking about the movie. It got brought up about how not to use that, like that they're just moody to, to just dismiss their behavior. Mom could be listening and she's got her kid hid away in the room and she peeks in and she says, how are you? And they say, I'm fine. I'm fine. You were talking about that in the movie. How do we know the difference between I'm fine, I'm just cocooning and I'm moody and I'm struggling here? Well, first thing you got that I, I realized, and I didn't know it earlier in life, when someone says they're fine, it's a very specially chosen word. They could have said, I'm good, I'm great, life's awesome. They didn't. They said, I'm fine. Fine means I'm not great, and I don't want to tell you I'm bad. Hmm. But I'm probably bad. I'm probably not in a very good spot. That's why I told you I'm fine. I just don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. So I chose fine. Mm-hmm. So how about, how about we view fine as a cry for help as opposed to I'm fine? And by the way, when I used to go in Ryan's room and he, I say, you all right? I'm fine. I'm like, oh, fine. Just leave me alone. Get in my room. Great. I got other stuff to do. Thanks. Glad you're fine. Checked in. I did my job. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't do my job. Fine means there's probably something going on that you need to dig, dig into. So let me give you a couple of tips on this one because I learned this one the hard way too and, and I wish I knew it. I know you own the house. I know you pay the bills, you pay the rent, you pay the mortgage. Everything in that room is yours. Your kids exist only because you paid for everything and you they were born because of you. I get it. So you have every right to barge into the room and tell them you want to talk to them. But from their perspective, the only sacred space they have on the entire planet is that room. That's it. Mm-hmm. So when you barge in and tell them you got to talk to them, you just barge into their only little sacred space. So how about not doing that anymore? How about saying, finding the time that you can talk to them when you know they'll talk to them. And by the way, I get this. They never want to talk to you when you want to talk to them. Yeah. Parenting is inconvenient by nature. But the you all know that there's times when they'll just babble and babble about maybe you're driving the car to school, maybe you're going to a sporting event, maybe you're out for a walk. There's times when they're just more willing to talk. Or it's that like can, 11 o'clock at night when you're like getting ready to go to bed and you're exhausted. And they're like, can we talk? It's like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no. Yeah, but it's inconvenient. I got it. Mm-hmm. But those are the times we want to dig in. Find a way to get your, I can't tell you how to talk to your kids in the sense that you know your kids. You can, you know when they're more vocal and when they're not. Find those times. Take them out for a walk. Don't do it in their room and don't force them. Take them for walks. And one of the things I didn't do, right, I showed up the way I just told you I am. CEO, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff that doesn't matter at all, Right. Guy who never cried, never did it. I'm like, I fix everything. Everything's awesome. That's how I showed up. 
the reality of my life, I, I've failed at like 13 other businesses myself, my partners over 20, over 37 years or 27 years, um, almost bankrupt two or three times. I didn't tell Ryan any of that. I didn't tell my kids any of that. My wife doesn't even know. Well, she, I guess she does now. But I, I hid that from everybody. Yeah. So what did Ryan see? And this is a, another point for ladies, for your husbands, right? My, Ryan saw me as my life was completely put together and I got all my act together. I've done all these things. And nothing ever went wrong for me. So when things went wrong for Ryan, he naturally assumed it must be a problem with him. I'm supposed to be strong. If I had the ability to do it all over again, and I guess I do with my kids and I have changed, I'd be a lot more sharing and vulnerable vulnerable with my kids as to how I'm actually feeling. Hmm. So they see that, you know what, I don't have it all put together the way it looks like on the outside. And it's okay. And life's full of problems and full of challenges, and they happen every day, and that's okay. And how we deal with the problems, how we deal with the challenges, what matters. But they all have them. We all have them. And just because you look at that Facebook post or the Instagram person that you're going, their life is perfect. I guarantee you their life's not perfect. And we as parents know that. I hope you do. Right? even Even moms struggle with it. They look at the families and they're... They're all together and smiling and happy and think, what's wrong with my family? Because we got a lot of bad stuff going on behind the scenes. Right. And, and you don't understand the fight it took to take that picture. <laughs> exactly. Like, they get that one smiling moment on Facebook, right? They're not seeing it. Right? And then they all scatter and they're not talking to each other. It's like that, that's, that's the reality of life. We all deal with the same stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But so as parents, for the most part, we can, we can conceptualize that, that makes sense. As young kids who are 12, 13, 14 years of age, they, they can't. They look at that, they look at those kids and they go, well, their lives are so much better than mine. Mm-hmm. This is not a, th- depression and unfortunately even suicide is not about where you stand in life from a socioeconomic standpoint. It spreads across everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. The high school te- cheerleader, the high school quarterback, lives are perfect compared to everybody else's and everybody else's eyes are some of the more depressed people because they just they just don't know how to deal with stuff right not all of them some of them yeah we just had a uh at a big school here catholic high school big quarterback good looking kid everything great grades and everything commit suicide yeah during the pandemic you know nobody even knew i i, I mean it's every day. And, and the thing is that the only way you're going to stop is by paying attention to your kids. The only way we're going to stop by owning your kids' mental health. The only way you're going to stop is realizing that everything I'm telling you, don't take my word for it, look it up. Mm-hmm. This is real. Mm-hmm. We need to own our kids' mental health the way we own our kids' physical health. Mm-hmm. And you can't wait for your doctor or your school or someone else to do it for you. Yeah. Because they can't and they won't. And they don't know what to do. Schools don't know what the hell to do. And Doctors are not trained. There's not enough therapists. Mm-hmm. And it's not that hard to be your kid's therapist. Yeah. To listen. You know, what's that? To listen. Yeah, just listen. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen and love them. That's all you got to do. Accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them they got to change. They don't need to change. You have a really sweet part in the movie 
where you're with your daughter and you're sitting at the table and you're talking and you're talking about both of your experiences and and you're talking to her about your feelings and your emotions and how you didn't open up about your weaknesses and and I thought what a beautiful picture of how to start that conversation with your with your kids yeah. the way that you did with her can you talk about how how parents might even enter into that about wanting to be a family where you can actually talk about your struggles? Yeah, but I'll also tell you that's a bit of a Facebook moment. Mm. Say more. Well, my daughter and I stopped talking to each other pretty much after that movie was being made mm. and are just now starting to rekindle our relationship after two and a half years. Wow. Because she's had her own struggles and I've had my own struggles and we have not agreed on things. Mm. And that's and that's life. Like, yeah, that moment in the movie was a real moment. It wasn't a fake moment. Mm -hmm. But behind that moment were a lot of other deeper issues and how she may feel about me and I may feel about her. And we're now working through it, but it's tough. I, I don't. I mean, like there. I do not have a lock on how you're supposed to do all this stuff. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's, none of it's easy. It's messy. It's messy. But I can tell you some ways to, to, that I think are really important. And I, and I was doing a lot of this stuff. Like, put down your phone. Mm. Have dinner. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book called Dinner Conversations, which was basically all the fun conversations we had at the dinner table. Because we never, there's no, any phones, any iPads, nothing. There's music playing in the background. And we had family dinner. It was an hour and a half, at least, of telling stories. Then we take the funniest story I put on Facebook. And then Ryan took all those stories off of Facebook and put it in the, in the book called Dinner Conversations, which is essentially all my parenting mistakes. The kids would laugh at. Wow. But even that didn't save us. I, I but, wondered when I saw that, I didn't see the year, but I was wondering, was that written before or after? The wow. summer before he died, I paid him by the hour to go take all the Facebook posts off and put them in a book. Hmm. But anyways, it's, it's, but my point behind all this is not to go buy the book. You don't have to go buy the book. You should watch the movie and watch it with your kids. Yes. Um, yes. But I'm saying that put down your phone. Talk to your kids. Get, get, I mean, it's, it's, I know it's hard. I know you're busy. I get it. Me too. Right? Mm -hmm. But try to have a family rule. There's no, there's, we're going to sit down. We're going to have dinner. We're going to talk. I don't know how many times I, I go out to dinners and you guys see the same thing. You go to a restaurant. When we remember when we used to go to those things called restaurants? When you used to go to a restaurant and you see a whole family with iPads and phones and like no one's talking to each other. I can tell you, we, we were the family that we go to dinner and we get there at eight and we close the restaurant at 1030 and we'd watch all these other families with, why are these people on their phones? Like try to be more of that family. And even when you're that family, it doesn't mean you're, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Right? But that's a better family to be. Right. I can tell you another thing. And I know that we're going to run out of time here at some point, but remember that the, the life we grew up in, I grew up in as a, as a um, 54 year old guy is different than the way their kids are growing up right now. Why are they so anxious? Why are they so depressed? Why are there some issues? Look around the world. I didn't know what was going on when I was 14. The news was on at six o'clock at night. My father watched it. I never watched it. I didn't read the newspaper. Right? You start fires with the newspaper. You don't read them. I don't know what the heck you're supposed to do with that newspaper when I was 14. But now, 
your kids know about COVID. They know about global warming. They know that there's potential wars with Iran and China and, and, and Russia. And they're, the stress and pressure they're under as kids to get into the right college, I never thought about it, never cared. Yeah, yeah. Right? To be get that scholarship, never thought about it, never cared. Right? We, I mean, and, and sometimes it's not you guys putting pressure on them. They put the pressure on themselves. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's too much mm-hmm. for a 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid to be worried about. They need to live their lives and have some fun. Yeah. Otherwise, that pressure cooker keeps building, and that's why we have these problems. So keep in mind that that's going on. And then they've got the bully. My bully who used to be at school was never at my house, and their bully is at the house. And anybody's now a bully. My bully was a big kid who could beat me up. Their bully could be anybody with a keyboard. And I know you know that, but it's real. Yes. And middle school kids are mean. Yeah. So be there for them and watch their social media. If you're going to give your kid Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and whatever else is out there because I don't pay attention anymore, it's it's not – let me put it to you this way. Leave their room alone. But that phone, you own that phone. Mm-hmm. You paid for that phone, it's your phone. Mm-hmm. They're welcome to borrow it, which means that you can look at it anytime you want to look at it. And you have the right to take it from them every single day. And they need to know that. Mm-hmm. And when you look at their Facebook and you look at their Instagram, and if, they, if you catch them hiding it or doing any of that kind of stuff, take the fingered phone away from them until they learn they can't do that. Yeah, be talking to them about it. But understand, they have the conversation about how that's not real and this isn't real and this is real life. Have them help them deal with the bullies. Help them deal with it all. It's You can't protect them. You can't bubble wrap them. But you can talk to them about life, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the final point I've got on all this is that, you know, one big mistake I made, and I made a lot of them, was I don't think that a kid who's 11, 12 years of age, 13 years of age, needs to have a browser on their phone. Hmm. I gave Ryan a phone when he was 12 because he's a great kid, had great grades, had no issues, and I thought, here's a phone, do whatever you want. Here's how you hack in and have your own Facebook account. Just say you're young, older than you actually are. There you go. So when I gave Ryan a phone with a browser on it, what I basically said is, Ryan, you can go anywhere in the world you want and learn whatever you want. And I'll probably not ask you questions. I just, I'll forget you're there. And they do. Yeah. And there's a lot of really, really, all the worst stuff you'd ever imagine is on the internet. Mm-hmm. People think that porn is the worst thing on the internet. It's not a good thing. I'm not saying it is. It's not the worst thing on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ryan used that phone to research how to kill himself. I know it because he wrote about it in his letter to me. Mm-hmm. That's how he figured out how to do it. Jason. So yeah. my thoughts for you is, I'm not saying don't give your kids a phone. Mm-hmm. Lock, down the bra- lock down the browser. Yeah. Yeah. Check their Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand how they can hide stuff from you on that phone. Mm-hmm. It's your phone, it's not theirs. Yeah. Privacy is not something a 14 year old kid needs mm-hmm. when it comes to phones. Yeah. Jason, I have to ask you before we wrap up when you look back and you think, and you talked about, I, I now look back and I see some signs that I didn't see. What are some of those signs as you look back that Ryan was exhibiting? He was moodier. He was more withdrawn, spent less time with his friends, more time online. And 
short-tempered. I thought it was just normal teenager stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is just pay attention to it. Talk to your kids and find out why they seem to be acting that way. Yeah. That's all. Just don't slough it off like it's don't just... Don't slough it off. Yeah. Maybe it's normal teenager stuff. Mm-hmm. But the stats are staggering as to how many kids are actually experiencing major anxiety and depression. Teach them, and if they do, which most of us, a lot of us do, right? Mm-hmm. We need to learn how to deal with our anxiety and learn how to deal with our, our thoughts and depression. Mm-hmm. We can't let 80% of depression go untreated. No. Because that does lead to bad things. Yeah. yeah. So my, what I'd love to offer up to you guys is please watch the movie. Watch it with your kids and have a conversation. I'd love it if you could go and figure out, maybe do a screening in your na- in, in, at your schools. Because I want more people to see this movie. In fact, I'm going to look up really quick. I think, um, my producer was texting me last night saying, make sure you tell them they can, they can do a screening at their schools. But if you go to howtowatch.com, howtowatch.com will show you how to do a screening at your school. Okay. Howtowatch.com. Um, yeah, and tellmystoryfilm.com is where you can see the film. Yeah. And I'm going to put all those links. Okay, tell my story. But look, if you're if you if my message resonates with you, and you believe this, please organize something with the parents in your neighborhood. Let's let's get more and more people to see this. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And it is such a good film, and your kids watching it with your kids because you have so many people and kids talking about it in a vulnerable way. Parents. I love that one gal that was filming you that took all the pictures. She has uh, Angela? Yeah, she's awesome. yeah, she's super cool. It's powerful. And I, everybody needs to see see the movie. And by the way, like I keep saying, it's not just about kids, it's all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. For being here, for sharing your story, for telling Brian's story how he wanted you to get this message out using your pain and your tragedy to help us. And if the movie's a little much for you, ChooseLife.org, Jay Talks, watch the Goalcast, it's like eight minutes, 16 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Or the, the Hot Lava Talk, which I think is 18 minutes. And I'll give you a lot of stuff to think about with your kids. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been so good to talk to you. Like this. Friend, thank you for joining me for this podcast episode. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you for being a listener. And I know that today's message, it was hard. And I really want to help Jason with his mission to eradicate suicide in the United States by 2030. And even if you don't live in the United States, I highly recommend you watch the film, you use it to talk to your kids, you get friends together, you share this message. I put all of the links in the podcast notes so that you can check it all out and also talk to your principal and tell them about this film because it is at a suicide and mental health or at a crisis point in our country right now. And we need to be talking about these things and knowing what to do. I also want you to know that if you need support, because I know so many of you, it's really tough right now 
with your kids coming out of the pandemic and reach out to me. I can give you resources. We can set up a time to talk, but I want you to know you matter to me and not to go this journey alone. My email is Cheryl at MomsOfTweensAndTeens.com. And thank you for being a part of Moms of Tweens and Teens and being a part of this journey with me. Have a great week, and I will see you back here next time.